Welcome to the podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming and progressive Unitarian Universalist congregation deeply committed to love and justice. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Sometime this fall, I don't know exactly how or when, I hurt my back pretty badly. However, the only symptom I felt was this dull, achy tightness in my lower back. I assumed that I could just work through the pain and eventually it would go away. That didn't happen. So, because of this prolonged pain, we decided to go see a doctor who recommended that I get imaging done on my back to see what the real issue was. Turns out I fractured my L4 vertebra, the one right above my tailbone. So, for the next three to six months, I will be wearing this big plastic corset. As a brace for my back. And I don't mind it, at least not so far. It's pretty uncomfortable, and every time I drop a pencil, I have to get up from my seat and kneel down right by the pencil so I can pick it up because I can't bend enough. Um, But I don't mind that. And as long as I don't drop my pencil, I'll survive. (laughs) What's really messing with me about this thing isn't the brace. It's my back in general. The most exercise I'm allowed to do right now is walk, um, even though usually at this time in the winter, I play soccer and I'm skiing, so I'm in athlete mode. Um, That means that right now, I feel like all my muscles in my body just want to move and exercise and go, but I can't. And there's this big discord I feel between my back and the rest of my body. And I really, really hate it right now. The best way to describe how I felt when I first found out that I was hurt was that I felt like my body was betraying me. That this, that the thing that is literally me felt like it was, and I guess still is, working against me, is a weird thing to think. But really, what my body was telling me was that it needed help, and I didn't listen. Um, The day before I was supposed to get the brace, I played hockey, and I fell like a million times, and it probably made it worse. Maybe after two weeks of feeling that ache, if I said, you know what, my back really hurts right now, and that means something, instead of going out and skiing because it hurt a little less that day, maybe. What I'm trying to say is, our bodies are smart. We've been evolving for millions of years to get the bodies we have today. So if your body is hurting, it's not betraying you, however much it may feel like it is. It's not working against you, it's telling you something. So listen, come, let us worship together. Well, if I'm honest, I'm not sure I'm the right person to be preaching about the body today, Uh, or its wisdoms and wounds. I'm not sure I'm that wise enough or in touch. 
I don't know if I'm the right person to be talking about how we might better integrate our beings and our emotions and our hearts, because I'm not sure I'm that together. I mean, sometimes, little confession, sometimes in the cycle of life when the minister says, plant your feet firmly on the floor, feel the weight of your body in the pew, And my body says, nope, not doing that right now. Nope, I'm just going to take my own little trip. I don't know if I have enough knowledge to talk about our oldest, most basic form of the brain that is this bulbous elaboration of the spinal cord called the reptilian brain and is attached to this wandering nerve that connects our guts, our lungs, our pharynx, the throat, our heart, our stomach, our spine. All I know for sure is as a woman of faith that it is holy. All of it. The whole thing. Holy. Ours, bodies, suffering, magnanimity, holy. Holy, the supernatural, extra brilliant, intelligent kindness of your soul and mine. And what I'm coming to learn about the body is that whenever we start talking about it, in all its varieties and experiences and teachings and suffering and generosity, it's a tender thing. Talking about the body is a tender thing. It's a wild thing that needs to be approached maybe like approaching a rescue dog. A rescue dog that isn't quite sure if it's safe. So in order to make friends, you move slow. You make space. You approach in small steps and open hands because in the end you want to create a bond with this wondrous creature. Your body is good and lovable just as it is. You are holy. So I want to tell you about an experience I had recently with my own body and its teachings that I wasn't quite prepared for. I was sitting in this gathering of white colleagues in a workshop led by a somatics trainer. That means a trainer who is body-centered in their approach to healing and discovery. And we were gathering with her to help us understand our own bodies and our physical, emotional responses to things, particularly in our work to erode white body supremacy and to further understand our place in the work of racial justice. So we're in this workshop together, and the trainer said something like, find a place to sit that feels the most comfortable to you. And I watched as my colleagues moved from place to place, and I made some kind of crack, like, oh, for crying out loud. And the trainer said, you know, this is really important. For some of us, sitting with our backs to the door feels really vulnerable. And some of us like a corner spot to make sure that we can see what's going on. It's really a thing, figuring out where you're going to place yourself in a room. So right there, I had all these responses. I got a little sweaty. 
I felt a little ashamed that I made that crack. Why did I say that? I didn't need to say that. Why can't I keep my mouth shut? And you know, I'm getting a little jittery, and I don't know if I want to be here. Maybe, maybe I'm not up for this today. But I settle myself down because I've only been in the room for two minutes. <laughs> and then she leads us in a guided uh, somatic meditation. And I got to be honest, her voice was very low and soft and trying to ground us in sensing our bodies and beginning our work. And I didn't hear one single word she said. And I thought, is there no end to the indignities of the aging body? I can't even hear. <laughs> well, I say to myself, I know how to ground down. And so I start doing my thing. You know, I'm grounding in. I got my eyes closed. I'm breathing. And I don't know what cued me into opening my eyes, but I did. I opened them, and all my colleagues are looking around, turning their heads, moving their bodies, as they've been directed to do. And I think to myself, oh, for heaven's sakes, now i got to own up to the fact that I can't hear. <laughs> I have only been in this room now for 10 minutes. Now, the trainer was super kind. She said, you know, come over, sit next to me so you can hear. And why am I telling you all this? I'm wanting to, you to have a good laugh and to track for you all the things that were going on in my body before anything really challenging ever got said. So the thing that happened next and that is really sticking with me now is this trainer started to share some new science about our bodies and our brains. So what she was sharing was that as soon as our bodies come into proximity with one another, they are communicating, not with words, but with felt sense. Are you safe? Are you safe? Who are you? I'm not quite sure about you. Ooh, I don't know. Or. You seem okay. All of that. And no matter how polite and kind we are with our words, whatever sensed response we have of ease or dislike or discomfort or curiosity, the body communicates that and the other body senses it. We're talking with one another with our bodies all the time. This is part and parcel of that very old animal brain that is connected to our nervous system. In essence, the thinking mechanism of our entire body, calibrating our responses to one another and the world, to flee, to fight, to settle, to freeze, or to relax. The reptilian brain is concerned with one thing and one thing only. Is this dangerous? Or is this safe? 
So everyone in the room right then had some variation of this response. OMG, we live in our bodies. And then my thoughts, or maybe I should say my body, suddenly is aware of this frown. This furrowed brow that has been with me since I've been very young. The lines are deep, my friends. And it's a thing, like in my collegial circles, right, Elaine? And sometimes different gatherings at congregation, congregants, I notice that people are looking at me a little askance, and that's my cue. I know I'm frowning. And I've learned to say something like, don't pay attention to my face. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I've got a weird face. I frown when I concentrate. I look like I'm mad, but I am not mad. I am concentrating. That's pretty much verbatim. <laughs> so I'm putting together this physical expression that I have lived with for so long, and that is so old, and connecting it with this new information about our communicating bodies. And tears start welling up from the base of my being. Now, I swear on a stack of Bibles, I'm trying really hard not to cry at this point. My body is getting stiffer and stiffer and stiffer. And these lips, mm, very straight. <laughs> it's like batting down the hatches, folks. And the trainer says, of course. Ruth, I'm noticing your mouth is starting to tremble. Sometimes when I'm having a physical response to things, I just put a hand on that part of my body, and it sometimes helps. Now, I really don't want to cry. I really don't want to cry. I have only been in the room now for 15 minutes. <laughs> and I don't want to be one of those white ladies who are always crying in racial justice meetings. <laughs> I do not want to do this. Why can't I get control of myself? My body is betraying me. But I can't stop it. And there's a tear that, Lord help me, finds its way down my cheek. And this memory comes flooding back into my consciousness, and I remember deciding to frown as a little girl. Where is this coming from? I remember trying to make my little forehead frown to show that I was paying attention, to show that I was concentrating, to show that I was mature enough to understand. I didn't come from an easy family. It wasn't all bad. There was some love, but there was incredible woundies that I'm going to be working with till the day I die. But what I'm piecing together now is that as a young girl, I think I was starting to comment to my parents about things that didn't feel right 
or felt hurtful or felt wrong. And the invariable response was, you will understand when you are more mature. You will understand when you are older. This is how I showed that I was older. This is the etching I made on my body, what I drew on my forehead as a little girl to show that I see things, I pay attention, I'm concentrating, I'm mature enough to understand that something isn't right. This frown is a hieroglyphic of my wounding. It is tender and it is holy. Now I'm not telling you this story to make you feel sorry for me or to take care of me. I'm doing my work personally, professionally, as a minister, as a community member, I'm doing just fine. I do wonder if there is something for me and perhaps you in making friends with our own beautiful bodies, actually naming our bodies, the nose, the tongue, the hand, the frown, holy. I wonder what it would be like to understand our bodies as teachers rather than betrayers. What if we looked at our responses to things as making sense rather than classifying them as good or bad? What if we became more fluent in the language of the body and paid attention to the conversations our bodies are trying to have with us all the time? There is this quote by Franz de Waal who wrote Our Inner Ape that says, the reality is that we are bodies born of other bodies, bodies feeding other bodies, bodies having sex with other bodies, bodies seeking a shoulder to lean or to cry on. Bodies matter, which is why anything related to them arouses emotion. What might happen in our racial justice work if we redirected our focus from teaching our brains to think better about race and directed our attention to where our white body supremacy actually lives? As African-American therapist and modern-day prophet Resma Menachem writes, it lives and breathes in our bodies. Menachem tells us white body supremacy needs to be understood as a trauma-inducing framework that we're all living and breathing every day, and that all of us need to work with it like we work with other trauma-inducing systems or events. We need to metabolize it, work through it with our bodies, not just thinking through it, and grow up out of it. For those of us in this sanctuary with black or brown-skinned bodies, Menachem believes this redirecting of focus provides profound opportunities for healing, naming and claiming resilience, of reconnection with traditional cultural resources that feed and nourish, and not only strengthen, but will help to navigate this racially traumatizing and violating world. 
And for those of us in this sanctuary today with white-skinned bodies, Menachem believes that redirecting a focus to the body will help us grow up, to begin to understand our own trauma and own it as such, instead of purposefully or inadvertently blowing our trauma onto and through the black and brown bodies around us. As a person of faith, I wonder, what would it be like to practice universalism on ourselves, on our own bodies? It was a radical faith statement back in the day, and it still is. Universalism countered the Christian teachings not Jesus' teachings, mind you, but Christian traditional teachings that said some will be saved and most will be damned. Some bodies are in and most bodies are out. The universalist countercultural narrative was God is not a tyrannical parent. God is love. The universalist countercultural narrative was all are saved, not just some, that the true Christian message is the restoration of the whole family of humankind to holiness and happiness, that holiness and happiness is inseparably, inseparably connected to playing our part in healing this broken world, and joy is our common human response to right-sized living and the divine. What if we were to practice universalism on ourselves, on our bodies? We might start by saying, I begin in love, with a capital L. I begin in love. Our grounding, the source of our being and our body is love. All bodies are in. There is no body outside of that love, no body that isn't good and lovable. My body with curly hair and white skin and shaky hands is lovable and good. Everybody in all shapes and sizes, colors, abilities, ages, and genders, all variety of human body expression is exactly how it should be. Ours is a faith that proclaims all human bodies are holy and deserving of happiness, and I'm one of those bodies. And so are you. We are black bodies and joyful. We are brown bodies and resilient. We are trans bodies and loving. We are white bodies and healing. As people of faith, we are here to lend these holy, happy bodies to the work of justice, mercy, and peace. And we believe joy is the common sensed experience of being in the flow with the healing body and that great love that will not let us go. There is so much to unearth and understand about our beautiful bodies 
and how this reconnection with our own sensed physical experience of the world might heal ourselves and transform the world. But a true and trustworthy starting point is naming this and this and this and this holy. So I'm wondering if you might join me in practicing some universalism on your body right now. And if you don't want to join in this blessing, don't, please don't do it if it doesn't feel comfortable. But if you want to try, come with me. I'd like you to place a hand somewhere on your body, perhaps a place that has been wounded or a place that is joyful or a place you don't like or a place that is beautiful. Let your hand rest there for a moment or two, a couple of breaths, and then bless yourself and say, holy. So let us practice universalism on our bodies right now. Holy. Holy forgiveness, holy mercy, holy charity, faith, holy hours, bodies, suffering, magnanimity. Holy, the supernatural, extra, brilliant, intelligent kindness of the soul. Holy. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.